morning comes from Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. <coughs> a city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be God. Amen. Thanks, Frank. Friends, please pray with me and for me. Holy Creator, we have heard your call to be salt and light. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart reveal that light and expand our hearts still today to receive your light in new ways for new people and empower us to show that light, your light for the world. Amen. Several years ago when I was serving in Battle Creek, I was in the middle of a class when an individual entered our church and started walking down the hallway. I went out to greet them and asked how I could help. And they said they were from so-and-so's ministry. I'm not going to say who so-and-so was. So-and-so happens to be a nationally well-known person um, who if I shared their name, you most, most, quite a few of you would probably know. Um, and I told this individual that so-and-so's views were rather divisive, not a good fit for us at our church. And they responded by saying, oh, so you're one of those Christians. Hey, at least they considered me a Christian. Friends, the truth is it doesn't matter if this person came from the Poor People's Campaign, a ministry that is focused strongly on justice, or if it was the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, which is obviously strongly focused on evangelism. If I were to say I'm part of either of those organizations, the conclusion would come quicker than the heat comes on in January. Oh, so you're a liberal. Or, on the other side, oh, so you're a conservative. You're either a this or a that. No in between. You're a social justice warrior. 
your street preaching evangelist, your vanilla fanatic, or you're a chocoholic, your diehard naturalist, or they know your order as soon as you pull up into the local McDonald's drive-thru. You like pizza with pineapple, or you recognize that for the monstrosity that it is. Seriously, if you're going to have pizza, why would you put fruit on it? This is our polarized world. And starting today, and for the next three weeks, we're going to share a vision of how the church can offer an alternative to this. That we don't have to pick either or. Instead, we can follow Jesus' call to be salt and light in a both and type of way. The individual who walked into my church that day thought they had me pegged. And you've known me well enough now to know that I take justice extremely seriously because I take Jesus and the Bible extremely seriously. At the same time, I wish that person would have come back to my church just a few months later when I was teaching a class on 21st century evangelism and how to do that effectively in today's world. Perhaps I wouldn't have been quite so easy to peg then. Today in our story, Jesus calls us to be salt and light. Not salt or light, salt and light. Salt that stands out. Salt that, in the words of Chef Emeril Lagasse, kicks it up a notch. That's a little flavor. And light that never lets the darkness win. Light that points toward hope no matter how much darkness is surrounding us. Being salt and light means we are agents of justice in the world. It also means we share our light, the light and hope of Christ through our words. Evangelism and justice are usually seen as opposite ends of the ministry spectrum. The reality is one cannot exist without the other. Working for justice doesn't mean you rush out the door to every protest. You can. Our baptismal vows do call us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. But there are also more ways to practice justice than making a sign and hitting the street. But if you ever do want to go, just let me know. And there are also more ways to practice evangelism than to pitch a tent and start preaching like a 1970s revival. Praise God those methods were effective for a time. But in today's world, we're seeing that they are doing more harm than good. For each week in this series, I'm going to share a principle for each topic that we're talking about. Um, just a short saying to help make these a little more concrete and um, rememberable for us. Even write them down if that's helpful for you. Evangelism makes our faith effective. 
Justice makes our faith legit. Evangelism makes our faith effective. Justice makes our faith legit. If we don't find our personal way to practice evangelism, we shouldn't be surprised when people don't come. And if we don't practice justice, we shouldn't be surprised when people don't stay. Without justice, people see us, may see us as a noisy gong, someone who believes in Jesus, but isn't necessarily following Jesus. See people who might be ignoring or turning a blind eye to the suffering in the world that they thought Jesus had come to heal. Evangelism is what helps spread the message of love in our world. And justice is what shows that we actually believe what we claim to believe, that Jesus has come to actually make a real difference in our lives today. And sadly, both of these concepts can be worse than some four-letter words in some churches. You enter a church that clearly takes justice seriously, and you say the word evangelism, it's like you just went to Yankee Stadium wearing a Mets jersey. And if you're in a church that, giving a cultural label, Gilbert, stay with me, a church that might be called conservative evangelical, and you mention the word justice, it's like telling somebody who works for Pepsi that Coke is better. This is so sad. I'm not sure that there are two concepts that need to be relearned more in today's society than justice and evangelism. With evangelism, there's still this cultural symbol in our mind that we have to be like a junior Billy Graham. But friends, in our scripture today, we're presented with an alternative. We just gotta kinda go beneath the surface. Because Jesus was speaking her during a time when eating together was called sharing salt. This is a time where binding relationships were built. Being salt doesn't require a stage. It's usually more effective off stage, in fact. Evangelism doesn't happen on the streets. It happens at the table. I'm going to say that again. Evangelism is less on the street and more at the table. If you get an opportunity on the street, great. But invite them to share a table with you. And let that be your place to listen. Earlier this year, um, in a little bit of a history lesson, went back to the very beginning of Methodism when John Wesley started to create what was called a vile church. It was called vile because he was going outside the church walls, preaching in the fields where the blue collar workers were. 
in the proper church folk didn't like that. They said he was doing ministry in most uncivilized ways, AKA talking to the allegedly wrong people in allegedly the wrong places. And now don't worry, especially for the introverts here, I am 99.9% .9 sure that Jesus isn't calling us toward public preaching like that. Again, that has 99.9% .9 of the time has a more negative effect than positive effect. Just Google street preacher and see what people say. But the quest, the journey to being a vile church means that we are asked questions like, how do we meet people outside our circles in places that we naturally inhabit where Jesus allegedly isn't present? How do we build friendships in the places where we already naturally inhabit? You like to crochet? Where can you go join a local crochet club? Crafters, where can you go outside the walls and build relationships, build friendships? You're a sports fan? Where can you go share the misery of being a Detroit sports fan and over time, share how your faith is good news for you? Where do we go to build authentic, real, natural relationships to earn the right to speak into someone else's life? That's key today. We don't just have the right to go and start telling them about Jesus, but we have to earn that right. Because people aren't a transaction. We don't go, drop a Bible track, leave, never see the person again. But today we do the work of building a relationship out of a common shared interest. And when that trust has been built, God may provide an opportunity for us. And friends, this isn't some bait and switch. This isn't some strategy just to get more butts in the pews that doesn't work. And most importantly, that's not even really what Jesus was about, and it doesn't reflect the character and love of Jesus. This is authentically sharing who we are with a friend. Because I would hope for all of us is that when we have those authentic friendships, your faith comes up as part of that because that is a core part of who you are. Friends, hear this good news, this liberating, free news. God isn't asking you to be anybody that God did not create you to be. God's not calling you to showcase yourself. God also isn't calling you to hide yourself. Your light is being authentically who you are an image bearer of God, someone who reflects the divine love 
grace, mercy, peace of God. And other people need that light. Need your light and need your story of redemption. God isn't asking you to be somebody you're not. If you don't like sports, please, for the love of God, don't go to Applebee's during a Lions game and try to talk to people about Jesus. Hopefully people don't need Jesus after the game, but I don't think it's going to go well regardless. And if you don't like sewing, don't go to a local group just for the purpose of getting them to church. Honestly, it will be miserable for all of you. What I'm saying is that in any efforts to build relationships, evangelism, whatever you want, however you want to frame it, there can be no ulterior motive. Because especially younger generations and the people coming behind me, they sniff that out in less than a minute. We should never deny the ultimate, that it is our ultimate motive. That yes, there's nothing more important to me than Jesus, and I experience Jesus in my church, and there's nothing that would be more meaningful than for you to come and join us. That is a beautiful thing. That is what we desire. But I'm not here just to convince you to come fill a spot at my church so that you can take over for the jobs I've done and so we can just keep our church doors open. That doesn't work. And it's not actually what Jesus calls us to. The core of evangelism is sharing good news. Forget the cultural garbage as best you can for a minute. Get down to the scripture. The word for evangelism means good news. And our faith is good news for us to share. Do you not want to share good news? For goodness sakes, if the Tigers actually win 15 in a row and somehow getting first place in the division, is that not good news worth sharing? How about if Jesus Christ redeemed or restored and healed us in some amazing way? Is that not good news worth sharing? We don't have to be obnoxious about it, and please don't be. It doesn't really help us to just go posting random, you know, scripture verses on social media, because usually that just gets reactions from our own tribe. But we do have to know our story, our elevator speech, so to speak. Because when we have earned the right to speak into someone's life, by knowing them, listening, not making it about us. There will be an opportunity to share a short, which means that we don't go on and on and on and on. People won't have 30-minute attention spans to listen to your story, but they will have two or three to share your story, which nobody can take away from you of how God has worked in your life. And then when we share that story, and if that relationship has been built, and if they have seen us be people who have worked for justice, sought to truly live out the faith, that legitimizes our story. 
just like evangelism, just if, I wish we could just remove the cultural and especially the political garbage around the term justice. And just to see it as a call from scripture, see it from the life of Jesus, whose first sermon was preaching good news to the poor, liberating the oppressed. See it through the eyes of the minor prophets, where they are name dropping just about every social injustice that still exists today. And they make it clear that God cares about those. And that when the church or when the community of faith doesn't ignores those calls, the whole movement of God in the world suffers. Because if we form friendships, as authentic as they can be, but don't have transformation ourselves, not to say that we're meant to be perfect, but aren't engaged in justice or caring about the world, then people see us as no different than what they can find elsewhere. If we're just noisy gongs who don't care about the suffering of our neighbors, that the Bible makes it clear we should care about, then the evangelism essentially isn't taking root in people's hearts. Quite frankly, if you want to know where some of the young people are who grew up in the church, they are out there practicing the justice that some churches are sticking their heads in the sand about. We've raised kids up with effective evangelism. And especially in recent times, they haven't seen us practicing the faith. And they walk away. What's killing our churches today is evangelism that is done obnoxiously and not giving a darn about justice. When we refuse to engage in justice because we think it will cost us some perceived privileges, it ends up just covering, putting this mask over any evangelism. But when we do live into that call for justice, and when we aren't afraid to tell our story, people see that we might just believe what we claim to believe. That's salt and light. Salt that stands out because it refuses to be bland and light that shows a way home amidst the dark, greatest darkness in the world and life. And folks, friends, we cannot be salt and light if we're only in our church sanctuary and living rooms. Now I know for a few of you, that's all you can do at this stage in life. And we all have human limits of some sort. That's okay. And if that's the stage you're in, please pray like you have never prayed before because that matters. But for the rest of us, our salt and light cannot be contained to these walls. And when we practice being salt and light, people notice something weird is going on with us. 
We're offering a message, a way of life that can't be found in any place else. A message and way of life that isn't fitting in any neat little either or type of box. Because we're not either this or that. We're both and. And so is Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.